during this time that we have been apart, I have learned about a lot of things that we have taken for granted. Many of you have told me the same thing. In fact, many of you who have children have told me that one of the things you have taken for granted is your child's school teacher. Our teachers do so much for us, especially teaching our children, and while you're trying to teach your children at home, you've realized how hard that is. In fact, one father I talked to this week was trying to help his son with some math homework, and he was doing some fifth grade math word problems. One of those word problems went like this. It said, a kitchen faucet drains 750 quarts of water in 50 seconds. So how long would it take for that same faucet to drain 660 quarts of water? The father knew the answer to the problem, knew how to set up the, the math using ratios, and so he set his son down, and they worked through the problem together, used a calculator, did the multiplication and division, and got the answer, which is 44 seconds. It would take 44 seconds for all that water to drain out. They went to write that 44 down on the sheet of paper where the, the paragraph was, where the problem was, and it was then that the father saw some frightful words right at the bottom of the paragraph. And those words were, remember to show your work. It's not enough just to know the answer, but our teachers want us to be able to show our work. We can recite answers back and forth, but when you learn to show your work, you know how you got the answer. You know how the answer works so that when you face other problems in the future, you can come up with the answers then. The father realized in that moment that he needed a school teacher because it was easy to get the answer, but it was a lot harder to show your work. Jesus is teaching his students in the passage that we just read. He's teaching the disciples. They're sitting on a hillside on Caesarea Philippi looking over that city. And in the moment, Jesus decides to teach them another lesson by asking a question. He asks the question, who do the people say that I am? And of course, the people are, are quite willing, the disciples are quite willing to answer for the people. To say, oh, they say you're Jeremiah, a prophet. Or they say you're John the Baptist. Or they say you're Elijah. But then Jesus asks them a different question. Who do you say that I am? In that moment, only one disciple spoke up. It was Peter, and he took a chance and offered an answer, and apparently it was the right answer. He said, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that was the right answer because Jesus was obviously quite impressed with Peter's answer. He told Peter that he would be renamed the rock, and on this rock he would build his church, and that that answer that Peter had surely came directly from God. For a few moments, Peter was the star pupil. He was at the head of the class of all the disciples. But in just a few short verses, Peter goes from being the star pupil to the class clown. And the reason why? Because in just a few short verses, Jesus tells Peter how to show his work. It wasn't enough just to know the answer, but Jesus tells Peter that to show your work, you have to follow me to pick up your cross and be willing to sacrifice your life. This was not something that Peter wanted to do. In fact, this was not how he understood the Messiah to work. The Messiah was someone that the people of Israel had been expecting. It was a word that Peter surely knew. All the disciples knew that word. They thought of it as the anointed one, either a prophet or a priest or a king, someone who God had, had set apart to do the 
work of God to carry for, care for the people and, and, and lead the people for, our, for God and on behalf of God. And Peter was probably thinking of someone like King David when he said, Jesus, you are the Messiah. It's King David who, who led armies, who conquered enemies, who went out into the world and, and, and led the people of Israel. And Peter was probably thinking of someone powerful and mighty, someone who would change the world with his power and might. But then he hears Jesus Christ say, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die. That's not how Peter understood the Messiah to work. But that's exactly how Jesus tells Peter that the Messiah does work, what the Messiah is here to do. I wonder if you and I have the same understanding of the Messiah as Peter, or if we understand the Messiah the way Jesus described him. If Jesus asked us, who do you say that I am, we might know the answer. We might say Jesus is the Messiah. We learned that right here in our church building. But would we know how to show that work? Would we know how the Messiah works in this world through Jesus Christ our Lord? N.T. Wright tells a wonderful little story to illustrate that point. He, he used to be the chaplain of Worcester College at Oxford University. And when he was the chaplain years ago, he took time to meet with every single student that came through the college. And many of the students were honored to have the chance to sit down and meet with the chaplain. But uh, every now and then, he had a student who was a little bit nervous to sit down and meet with him. They would usually say something along these lines. They would say, you know, you're probably not going to see much much of me in chapel. I don't really believe in God. Well, N.T. Wright had heard that answer many times, and so he had a question for that. He said, well, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. Again, the student would squirm a little bit and say, well, uh, you know, it's that God that the world believes in, that God that lives up there in heaven and that's judging people and separating those who are going to heaven and separating those who are going to hell. And as N.T. Wright heard their answer, he would reply with the same answer every time. No wonder you don't believe in that God. I don't believe in that God either. And the student often thought, well, that means N.T. Wright doesn't believe in God at all. But he would correct them and say, no, no, no. I believe in the God that I learn about through Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And what Jesus of Nazareth teaches us about God is that he did not come to overpower this world with flash and power and might and armies. He came to overpower this world with love. He even came not just to conquer this world, but he allowed himself to be conquered so that we could conquer death and achieve life everlasting. That may not be what we think of when we hear the word Messiah, and yet that's exactly how the Messiah works. That's how Jesus Christ works, to come and change this world with love. Over the next few days, as you all are still inside together as a family, some of you who are parents might be trying to think of things that you can do with your children to kind of pass the time. And one of the things I would suggest that you do is to read children's books. And one of my favorite children's books is the old story called The Velveteen Rabbit. I brought my little Velveteen Rabbit here with me today. It's a great little story about how expectations matter and how, how we do our work and how we expect the world to work really does affect us 
and it affects the way we treat other people. You know the story. The Velveteen Rabbit was a gift to a little boy who had, had, he had gotten on Christmas, and for a few moments he liked the little rabbit. But then he started to see some of those other presents underneath the Christmas tree, those presents that moved on their own. They had flash, and they were metal, and they had all these kind of mechanical parts, and they were a lot fancier than that little old bunny. And so he, he put that bunny down and played with those other presents until finally one night he was going to sleep, and he couldn't find some of his favorite toys, and so his Nana brought him that little Velveteen rabbit, and he slept with that rabbit, and it became one of his favorite toys. But all of those other toys made fun of the rabbit. The little rabbit didn't have anything fancy about it. He couldn't even really move. He was filled with sawdust, and so they made fun of him because he wasn't as special as, as those other toys. The little boy liked him because the little rabbit loved the little boy, and he would take him everywhere he'd go. Sometimes he'd even mistakenly leave him outside, and one time real-life rabbits came and saw the Velveteen rabbit rabbit and, and they made fun of the rabbit too because he didn't have parts that would move. He couldn't jump around and dance like the rabbits did. But that didn't matter to the Velveteen Rabbit because he still loved the little boy. Right at the end of the story, believe it or not, the little boy got sick. Much like many people around us are sick right now. He got sick with something called scarlet fever. But the little boy held the little velveteen rabbit close to him and slept with him every single night while he was stuck in his room until he finally got better. That little rabbit stayed with him and comforted him and continued to love him. And at the end of the story, we see that it was not all the glitz and the glamour of the fancy toys or even the bouncing rabbits that, that saved the little boy. But it was love. It was love that transformed the little velveteen rabbit into a real-life rabbit. And it was love that transformed the boy into a good person. That's a story that we need to remember because it's a story that reminds us of how Jesus Christ, the Messiah, works in the world. He doesn't come to overwhelm us with power and might. He comes to overwhelm us with faithfulness and love, especially in dark times like this. And that's an important answer for us to know. Not only the answer, but how the answer works. Because when we answer that question, who is Jesus Christ? Once we learn the answer to that question, then we can answer another question as well. Who are we supposed to be? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not only called to believe in Jesus, to believe in the Messiah, but we're called to follow in his footsteps too and live as disciples just as those early disciples did. One of my former ministers, Ed McLeod, told me a story a long time ago in a sermon that still means a lot to me today. He was teaching a confirmation class, and while they were there in the confirmation class, the students started to talk about the church building that was around them. And, and he asked them the question, what's the most important part of the church building? As you might imagine, a lot of students said, well, it's the sanctuary. This is where we worship. Or some students said, well, it's, it's the nursery because that's where the future of the church is. Some said it's the kitchen because that's where we cook food and nourish ourselves, and a few predictably even said it was the playground. But one particular child decided that the answer was the exit doors. I had thought maybe she was being sarcastic, but when he pressed her a little bit, he discovered it was just passionate faith, because she said it's only when we go out through the exit doors that we prove to the world that we are the people we say we are. We learned who the Messiah was while we were sitting here in church. But we show how the Messiah works outside in the world where you and I are right now. 
We are in a world right now at a time where the world needs to know Jesus Christ, to know his love, to know his compassion, to know his faithfulness, to know that he hasn't left us alone. And they need to know that disciples are all around us here to care and love for our neighbor just as Jesus Christ has called us to do. And while you're out there in the world, even though we're apart, we are still called to that same ministry. And it's out there in the world where we prove not only that we know the answer, but we know how that answer works. We know how to show our work by loving our neighbor as ourselves. There's lots of ways that you can do that this week. Please reach out and call a neighbor who might be left alone or might be feeling, feeling lost or, or helpless during this time or, or find ways to donate food to people who might be suffering or, or just reach out to, to people in need around us who might have lost their jobs. You might find that you can find that you can help them in some particular way that you don't even know right now. And maybe most importantly right now what you can do is try to give each other that healthy space that we need so that we're not getting each other sick during this time. But whatever you do, continue to remember the answer to that question. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but not only the answer. Show the world how that answer works. Show the world how the answer works by loving your neighbor as yourselves. Because when we remember not only the answer, but we remember to show our work, then when we face other problems in the future, not only this one now, but other problems again and again and again, we will know how to face those problems together. We'll know how to find those answers together by living as disciples of Jesus Christ, sacrificing as Christ did, and loving our neighbors just as Jesus Christ called us to do. Go out into the world this week and not only be the answer, but show your work when you do it. Thanks be to God. Amen.